Welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs, the podcast where we talk with business owners from around the world and from all walks of life in the hopes that something you hear will leave your business a little richer. We're your hosts, Vicky and Laura, and today's guest is the great Josh Kropkoff. Josh and his brother Ben founded the email agency in 2018 after their first business selling digital products failed. Josh started his online business journey while he was a law student in Miami. Known as the quiet kid growing up, he found his voice in the most remarkable way, as a close-up magician and talk radio host. Talk about extremes. He now hosts the Email Revolution podcast, where he'll tell the stories behind his entrepreneurship journey. He features guests who use email marketing to build their brands. This is a conversation we will be leaning in on. Josh has since generated 50 million plus in sales for e-commerce brands using email and SMS marketing. Let's go. Welcome, Josh. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Well, you know, we're going to be excited about this conversation because Vicky and I are marketing people, of course, and we know how underrated email marketing is. People <laughs> take it for granted, for sure. So definitely want to get more into that very soon with you, Josh. But first, I love to sort of learn a little bit more about you and your childhood experiences. And you're an entrepreneur who works with other entrepreneurs. Was that always part of your life? Did you grow up as an entrepreneurial kid? Yes, uh, actually, yes. And uh, this is cool because like no one ever asked this. So I, I really like that you guys asked this question. But um, yeah, I was kind of into entrepreneurship stuff ever since I was a kid and me and my brother. We grew up in a place where I really liked just coming up with things to do. We grew up outside of Philadelphia in uh, Southern New Jersey, a place called Washington Township, um, like a a real uh, mixed area in terms of uh, it's pretty like middle class, but a lot of blue collar, a lot of different types of people, pretty big high school. Like I, I was in a graduating class of about a thousand kids um, and the school had um, like three to 4,000 kids. So it was kind of like hard to stand out. And I was just like quiet kid, like as you alluded to in, in my uh, intro there. And I wasn't huge in the sports. Um, my brother definitely was more so than I was. I played baseball for a few years, but, and even though that like that was fun and, and I was good at, at team stuff, I was sort of awkward and, and I was super shy, but what motivated me was anything I could create myself and choose my own adventure. So that's where I sort of gravitated towards entrepreneurship. And me and my brother, we started a casino in our parents' basement. This was our first like entrepreneurship endeavor. Not a real one with real money, but uh, we basically like my, my parents got the basement finished when I was in, I think, third grade, I want to say like third to fourth grade. And so now we had this big room down there with nothing in it. And we were not that far from Atlantic City, New Jersey. So my grandmother was always going down to the casinos. She liked the slot machines and the, the free buffets and stuff like that. They would comp her all kinds of stuff. Um, and sometimes we'd go and I don't know, it just inspired us to like, why don't we build something like that in the basement? And so we made all these things ourselves and learned how to, how to deal blackjack and different things like that. And then we recruited our friends who were just like kids around the neighborhood that we were friends with to be the people working at the casino. And then we would have these parties where the neighbors would come over 
people's parents would come over, different friends and kids and family members. Um, and this went on for years. Like it grew, like at first it was like nothing. And then it was still going on. By the time I graduated high school, we had a real blackjack table. We had this craps table we had made ourselves. We had a roulette wheel. We had one of those big spinning wheels. Uh, all these things, like the whole basement was like this. And uh, we would have these parties where all these people would come over and we had like play money and stuff, but they would they would engage in this casino thing. And it, it was one of those low key things that like people in the area knew about. And it was like you had to know us to, to be able to come down and, and be a part of it. But that was like, yeah, it was just kind of one of those weird things that like we were known as that that those people with that casino when we were kids is nuts i love it so much wow and as to start that as kids and your parents i guess they fully backed you on this um sort of i mean here's the thing you know who was always kind of didn't like it so much was my grandmother because she felt like oh i influenced them to like they're into gambling but she at first but then she would like have fun she come she realized like kind of why we were doing it and stuff um my parents for the most part were okay with it but like i think my mom definitely dealt with the challenge of like us being that way where we had to have you know i think part of her was probably thinking like why can't you just go play sports like normal kids outside instead <laughs> of having my house the center of attention in the neighborhood all the time but at the same time I think she uh, loved hosting my friends and me and my brother, we're not like super close in age. We're five years apart. It's not anything crazy, but growing up, like I'd be in middle school while he's in elementary school and I'm in high school when he's in middle school. And what was interesting is I would have friends that I was friends with that were slightly older than me um, and slightly younger. And then he'd have his group. And so our friend groups blended together. Like we would have all these kids at our house ranging to where like the oldest kid was like almost like, I guess eight or nine years older than the youngest. And we all just did this entrepreneurship thing together, which is like, now I look back on that and I'm like, I get how that relates now to what I do in my life. Because like, I did have that. Both of us did have that spirit of running an organization with our friends. And now in our agency, we actually do this same thing because we have like our top, um, I would say our top general, like our main operations person who manages all of our email marketing accounts. He is one of our best friends from back in the neighborhood growing up. And so we get to work with him now. He's been with us since 2020, early 2020. He's like our top guy. So it's cool. Like, and, and even the, all the people that work with us that are from other parts of the country. Um, We all work remote, but um, everybody's US. Uh, They're part of our friend group. Like, so, you know, we we are really close with our team members, like everybody's friends. And uh, I think we've always just wanted that having business with friends thing. And I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs and maybe not entrepreneurs, but like business mentors out there that will say things like, don't do, don't get into business with your friends. And we just reject that entirely. That's like why we love doing business is, is with friends. Uh, that yeah. just speaks so well to the relationships that we always say on this podcast and, and with other guests, how important relationships are and a lot of it is with the service provider, the business owner and their client, but it also carries through to everyone who's working within the organization. And yeah. I know people who 
make a point of becoming friends with their clients and their staff if it's someone that they didn't know when they came on board. It's a pretty cool model because then you, how can you not love doing what you do when you're doing it with a bunch of people who you really value and your values are aligned? You have a lot of alignment there. Yeah. And it, I guess it works both ways because you care so much about, like, I, genuinely have this relationship with all the people on my team so it's like if, if if they're ever struggling with something you know business or otherwise like i feel that you know and it's like it's my responsibility too so yeah one of the coolest i know i don't mean to jump around because we'll probably get to some stuff but like one of the coolest things lately in our business has been our friend the one i just told you about who who's like our main operations guy he was just able to buy a house for the first time and and move in there with his longtime girlfriend And that was like a big, like to me and my brother, that feels like such an accomplishment that like we were able to help that happen. Um, So that's so cool. Yeah, his success is your success. Really appreciate in a different way. But before you built the now very successful email agency, in your intro, talked about your first business that was a failure. We like to talk about failure on this channel, not to bring anybody down, but to yeah. really learn the lessons from it and how you build resilience through experiences like that. So if you don't mind, can you tell us a little about what happened there? Yeah. So I have to give a little backdrop to that first. I got into digital marketing kind of in a weird way, um, kind of fell into it by accident. And I was, we go back about 10 years. Um, I was in college, kind of end of college, but Uh, basically I was in school up in New Jersey studying hospitality. And the reason was because I connect the casino thing. I thought like, what's the best way I could own a hotel or a casino or a resort in real life. And it turned out that that was the absolute wrong way to do that. Like a hospitality degree has nothing to do with that. But I was trying to figure out like, what what do I want to do? And at that same time, I had a bit of a, I guess you would call it like a, like personal not problem, but just this thing I was I was dealing with and trying to get help with, which I'm I'm not embarrassed to talk about. I've talked about it on shows before, but basically like I was not, this kind of relates to I was like really shy and quiet growing up. So I wasn't good at dating. I was like really shy around women and just like basically I, I'm in college and there's these frat parties and like I'll go out with my friends to the party and all of them would like within like five minutes be uh, you know, hooking up with different girls and stuff like that. And not to get down that rabbit hole, of like hookup culture and stuff in college. But I would always be the guy just kind of standing there, like on the side of the room, like not sure what to do. Like, what do I say? I'm terrified to approach all of that. So I went online trying to find help with this issue. And I found this email newsletter called Dating Advice Daily. And that was my first, I didn't realize at the time, but that was my first intro to the digital marketing world. It was this uh, guy who would give tips to to men on dating and, and, and approaching and different things like this. So fast forward now, I just had to preface it with that. But basically that same entrepreneur later evolved his business to teach more about how he built his business with digital marketing. And so when I was in law school, a couple of years later, this was at a stage where I'm just trying to figure out what to do with my life. I'm in law school because I don't know what I want to do really. And I'm, you know, I had people tell me I'd be good at, at law. So go into that. Right. Um, so I'm there and I'm like hearing about this digital marketing thing. I didn't really know anything about it, but I'm learning more. And I'm thinking like, why am I in law school when there are people 
who are making a million dollars on the internet right now, selling different programs and courses and things like that. So uh, what ended up happening is I attended, me and my brother attended this conference out in Vegas where it was a bunch of online internet entrepreneurs who had started online businesses and they're like revealing their secrets. And, and this was our first exposure to this world. And we were just blown away. I had no idea you could like send an email to a list and, and make thousands of dollars from some course where you're teaching stuff. So try to make a long story short, we ended up deciding that we were going to start a business. And I, I graduated law school. And I didn't go, I didn't take the bar. I didn't do anything to, to try to become a lawyer. I went full head first into this business idea, which when it started was we were going to teach body language. This was the main thing. There were a few things, but it was like, we were going to teach body language secrets to um, entrepreneurs and other, like professionals who could use body language uh, knowledge. And uh, the reason body language, because like I had learned a bunch of stuff in law school and and before that as a magician performing and, and things like that, that I felt like I could translate that, transfer that to people. So uh, you asked about the failure. So basically what happened was a uh, very dumb thing I did, which was I didn't have an income. I had just finished school. I had all these, all this student loan debt, but I applied for a bunch of credit cards. And I was able to get something like $45,000 in credit. And I thought, I'm going to put this into a business, put this into like all the stuff I would need to, to create this product and sell it online. And also, by the way, I'm going to live off this credit. And then the, the business is going to blow up and I'm going to make all this money, <laughs> right? Terrible idea. But sometimes it, like if you don't know anything about business idea and you're just kind of watching what other people do that are successful and you feel like okay I can just go do that ultimately it was the right like I'm glad it happened because it led to what I have now and it, it led to everything in my you know the last several years but I would never do that again <laughs> it was uh we we spent a full year building this thing myself my brother and, and our other business partner we went into business initially with another friend and we spent a year building this thing we made one sale one sale there was a point where i realized this isn't going to work like I, and unfortunately like i had put myself in a terrible position my other business partner moved out he had he had been one of my roommates at the time moved out i'm in miami in an apartment on my own i have no money no income all this debt the business just failed like cuz we decided it failed like we were like it's it's not worth it like we did all this um now i have all this debt and i'm I have to figure out a way to pay rent, like all this stuff. I'm living in Miami at the time, which is where I had been for law school. So um, I ended up really having to go into some other things, hustling and grinding, running an Airbnb out of my apartment and driving for Uber for seven months until I couldn't do that anymore. But that's a lot, I know. So <laughs> you can ask me questions based off that. I could go more into any of that, it's but gold. that's kind of, that's yeah. a failure. It's gold, like Josh. It's gold. I love the way you describe it. I've, I'm right there with you on the journey. I One burning question I have is, what would you have done differently, do you think, for that business to have been successful? For that business to have been successful, I would not have started with digital products 
um like later what i learned and i think i learned this from like ty lopez or something this was years later but there's like a I think he called it like a pyramid, but basically it's like a hierarchy of, of online business where like the bottom level is e-commerce. Um, the reason it's at the bottom level, it's because it has the lowest barrier to entry, but it also has the lowest ceiling. Like you, you can pretty much anyone can start selling physical things online, but it's really hard to scale that without a lot of capital. So it's got a lower ceiling. Middle is service businesses. Like what I have now where it's human capital, it's a little harder to get into because you need the experience and the knowledge to deliver the service, but it's a, a little easier to grow. But then it also has this ceiling because of, you can only scale a human capital business so far. And then the top level is what is called an infinitely scalable brand. And that is digital products, courses, um, things that you can distribute infinitely. You can scale it to the moon, but it's the hardest barrier because you need so much like capital and resources to put into it to make it profitable. That's what I didn't know at the time. What would have been, if I wanted to make, to answer your question, if I wanted to make that business succeed today, I would start it as a service business. I would start it as like coaching people on body language and like get clients and help them uh, basically, you know, fix their body language if they're in these like high stakes situations. Like I picture maybe like, you know, a trial attorney or something or somebody on stage um, and then turn that into a like eventually group coaching and then courses and, and things like that. All right. That's that's what I think. I, I yeah, no idea about that back then. Yeah. Zero clue that it was, it, you know, should have been. We, we just set ourselves up for failure because we we did not have the the experience um or the you know understanding of what it would take to start a digital product business from scratch um and also we hadn't earned the right to be putting out products like that yet like now we have years of experience in email marketing so we have some email marketing courses and we're able to but i don't even call them courses but we have different training programs we're able to help people with these very specific problems because we've been in the trenches, right? But at the time, we, we hadn't earned that. We didn't know, we hadn't, uh, you know, spent the time in the marketplace doing this. I think that's called uninformed optimism. Yes. <laughs> yes. You don't really have a clue, but you're really optimistic of what it's going to be. I love it. It's, it's such a great story. And I think it's a great lesson learned. And there's some you know, thought of maybe a little more perseverance, maybe a little bit of backing or or someone to help yeah. you financially get through, could have changed it. And maybe you would yeah. have um, turned it around in a different way. But now you've built something, something pretty great. And like you said, that middle pyramid style business of a service yeah. business. So tell us like why email? There's lots of ways that we market businesses mm -hmm. um, that are so much easier to promote and sell like social media because everybody needs social media. And But why did you choose email? So, well, for me and for us, like email, for whatever reason, had been sort of the common thread that that like was always there for us. So going back to what I mentioned with that first newsletter I was on dating advice daily, like we saw the email marketing thing happening. And at one point that the guy that that wrote that newsletter and later became a, a business mentor of, of mine, at one point he did this thing where he like wanted to see how much money he could make. Basically, he wanted to go to Vegas for a weekend where he knew he was going to spend a lot of money and like blow money in Vegas. He wanted to do a test to see like, 
if I really quickly make a product and send an email to my list before I leave for Vegas, is it possible to basically break even, like make the money back that I'm going to spend? So he quickly made this video lesson on, I forget what it was, but something to do with like, it was still dating at the time. It was something to do with that. And he sent out an email to his list on a Friday. I think he charged $47 to get the video program. It was probably like seven or eight videos, right? Goes to Vegas, comes back. I think he said he spent like over 10 grand in Vegas, comes back and that email had made him over $40,000. And he told that story to us. And this was back in like 2016. And that was when I first realized that's crazy that you can do that with an email. But now I I think I want to bring up just one bigger point, you know, aside from me, like there are 300, this is like the latest data. You could look this up. 347 billion emails sent per day in the world per day. So if you want to think about communication channels, okay, the other big one that you would think about is text messages, still pretty big, 23 billion a day. So it's dwarfed by email. Now, first of all, these are numbers we can't even conceive of, right? Like it's over like, okay, 347 billion. Like, I don't know what that looks like. But what I do know is this, it dwarfs everything. It dwarfs all social media channels. It dwarfs text, it, phone. It, it's literally the biggest communication channel in existence by far. And hence, it is also the biggest marketplace. Like it's a huge economy. So I think it's really cool um, to be in email marketing. And I actually think like, for me, the thing I love about it is that it is not a one-to-many channel like Instagram or, you know, anything like that. It is a one-to-one channel. It's a direct line between one person to another. Um, And that's the way we treat email, which is why we've been able to, you know, help our clients get, you know, really successful, great results with it is because we don't, we don't blast people with these, like, I think that's how people do email wrong. A lot of times they'll like blast like an advertisement, you know, a very sort of advertisement looking promotion. Um, And they're, they're not, taking advantage of the fact that you can really use email as a relationship channel. Um, you can really forge a, a true connection with people. You can write to them like a person. You can you can have personality um, and you can invite responses and you can get them talking back to you. The, the possibilities what you can do with email are, are insane. But yeah, there is a part in, the, in my story where we, we did have, even when that one business failed, the one thing that survived from it was our email list. We had this email list that we had built. It was small. It was like 30 people and it included like family and friends, but that was like the rest of the business died. That was like the beating heart that was still alive. Um, So when we sort of revived ourselves, when we came back from the ashes, what we decided to do was email marketing. We decided to that we could use what we had learned because we had learned so much about it in that year of, you know, the business that didn't work out. We learned so much about copywriting, so much about email um, and just like digital, digital marketing, I guess, knowledge, but, but more specifically email copywriting. Um, and so we were like, what if we just took that skill and helped other business owners? Um, and so that's the business we later started. And that was also a big struggle to get off the ground. We can talk about that that side of it. But 
I'm really proud of, of what we've been able to accomplish. Uh, and and I, I do think we will continue to grow this business to pretty good heights. And, and, you know, I can see a lot of things coming, but, um, but yeah, so that's why, you know, I know it's a long answer. So can you speak to the side of email marketing, Josh, that speaks to the size or the quality of the mm -hmm. list? Because you have this exciting story about going to Vegas. The guy spends 10 grand, comes back and there's 40 grand in his account. Yeah. I know yeah. that didn't happen with a snap of a finger. There's a lot of work that goes on in building a good quality list. Can you yeah. give our listeners some tips on that or at least some insights into what to look for or so that they know where they're at? Yeah, for sure. Great question. So I think I, I started to touch on the, the problem that so many businesses uh, face is that they they don't see email as its own thing. They really do see it as like, oh, it's one of many marketing channels. And so they sort of treat it the same and they kind of like put out a general branding message or a general advertisement um, as if they're talking in a megaphone. And that's not what it is. It's a one-on-one -on -one channel. <clears throat> so what's cool is you can build a relationship with the people on your email list. And you do that through, I would say two things. One is what I would call a personality-based email marketing, where you do write emails that come from you as a person. Um, and you are not afraid to share things and like, and, and just talk, like, you know, write like you talk and have this sort of conversational tone to your emails and even invite responses. And then when people have good responses, you can take that response and put it in your next email that goes out to everybody and says like, Hey, I got this, this really great email from, you know, Cheryl or whoever on the list. And so I wanted to respond uh, to her right now. And, and then everybody's seeing that. Right. And that's just like one little example, but basically over time, like the reason that his name is Jason Capital, by the way, the, the guy that I mentioned with the, the dating advice newsletter, it doesn't exist anymore, but um, he has other businesses. But anyway, the reason he was able to do that is because he spent years building a list where he was giving this advice to guys. Right. And, and, and everyone value, like everyone that would stay on the list and, and be engaged, you know, they value that they value that communication. They value that advice. They value just, you feel like, you know, this person, right. You're hearing from him every day is the first email that you would get when you sign up to dating advice daily. It said at the top, just so you know, I'm going to be sending you valuable emails every single day. There will rarely be a day where you don't get an email from me. If that bothers you, get off the list, unsubscribe. We are here for people who want to take action in their lives in this way. And so if you're on the list, you are expected to read those emails. You're expected to participate, right? It's just kind of like raising the bar. It's kind of like challenging people, right? To be involved in this, it's the opposite of the mentality of another company sending me emails in my inbox and cluttering my inbox. And like, it's just like, I'm tired of getting email from it. It's total opposite of how most brands market. So the, the big thing is having a personality. And the other thing is carrying on this conversation to where the people reading the emails don't feel like they're just being marketed to. They really do feel like there's something there. You want to give people value. And we do this with our clients that sell all kinds of things. Like the example I'm I'm giving you with him was a, a coach, right? But none of our clients are coaches. All of our clients sell physical products online. We've done this 
with uh, some of the most, I guess, like dry top, like literally drywall one time. Like we had a huge corporate client that sells drywall and we did the same type of marketing with them and it worked, it worked like crazy. I mean, it's just like, you can literally do it with anything. You just have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit as an entrepreneur or alternatively create a character. Um, They don't have to be a real person. You can create a character and give that character that they are the email list. Like they are the, the person behind the email. You have to be a little bit more creative on that one. But I have faced resistance over the years to this idea from some entrepreneurs who think that they, they, for whatever reason, they think that they don't want to do that type of marketing. I had a just very quick story. I had a company who came in is a couple years ago. Now they wanted to work with us and they were a new startup that got all this like venture capital money and they they hadn't really they weren't profitable yet or anything but they wanted their email program they started working with us and they were so resistant to like everything that we were telling them and they were like no i don't want a person behind the emails like i want to seem like a big corporate brand they use that word and they were like i just want the logo and we're like this big corporate brand and i want our emails to look like this and it's like the general advertisement and we did it for them because they were they had hired us and and we we kept advising them against it but we did it for them anyway um ultimately you know ended that relationship we did cuz it was just not your clients should listen to you and respect you know that you know what you're talking about but i think that there should be especially today and now we're post covid where people <clears throat> want to connect with people and i think that entrepreneurs should not be afraid to put some element of personality into their email marketing. Absolutely. Totally agree with you. Cause I know I'm a, I'm really good at getting on email lists and, and then unsubscribing if they don't make me happy after a few emails. Cause I do not like my e- inbox flooded with tons of spam. And as soon as I see the email coming through as spam and it's coming through two, three times a week, sometimes every day, like, no, forget it. You gotta, you gotta go. But yeah. it's funny. Cause I, as you're thinking of that, it really made me think of this, um, one email I list I signed up for daily drop. It's about traveling and travel hacking. And cool. pretty soon on, I realized like I'm in Bermuda. So a lot of the email, the, the travel hacking stuff doesn't really quite work, you know, here <laughs> the way it might in the US. So I was like, oh, I was a little disappointed. But the emails, they're written so interestingly. And there's always like a little nugget of something that I've enjoyed in it. Yeah. But I, I, I'm hooked. Like I'll read it every day, even yeah. though I know 90%, I cannot apply. I still enjoy it because of how well it's got personality. It's just the way that they, they put it into it is very personal. It's from a person. Sometimes it's multiple people, Mm -hmm. could be different people on the team, but you feel so connected and it's really simple and easy, easy to do. Mm -hmm. Although I get a lot of people who want to be the big corporate brand, but guess what? Every big corporate brand started small and they're still run by a person. And here's the thing. If somebody really wants to look at it, go to, Instagram, look at Virgin and how many people follow the Virgin brand and then go to Richard Branson and see how many people follow Richard Branson and tell me which number is bigger. Like that's that's a a challenge. Go find (laughs) the big brands and then the names behind the brands and see the difference between the people, the personality and the brand. The personality always wins because like you said, people like to connect with people. It's a really good point. It's really important. I think after COVID, I think it feels more important now than ever to feel connected. Yeah. But okay, so a question a lot of people I'm sure who are listening are going to be asking is that sounds great. I want to do that. 
all right, I'm an entrepreneur. I got a personality. I can write emails. This is fine. But how on earth do I even start building a list? Like, where do I start? I, I have people I, you know, I email regularly, but how do I get new people? How do I find new people to, to get on my list? Yeah. So this is good because it actually, this is a point. It uh, goes back to something uh, Vicky brought up too, which is like the quality of the list. Right. And <clears throat> so it's actually like, if you're just starting to to try to figure out like, how do I build a list? It's actually really simple to start. It is, you you need people that go to your website, ask them for their email address, give them a good, you know, opt-in opportunity, right? A, a good, um, you know, place for them to subscribe to your email list. That's as simple as, as it's, as it gets. And that's how it should always start. Um, and all it needs to be is something on your website that says, enter your email here for benefit and the benefit should be something they want whether you know and i'm being you know intentionally broad here but like if you are a cpa people on your website are looking for financial tips and so it it can be as simple as that is you know enter your email here for regular good financial advice sent straight to your inbox Uh, you know you can say something like we don't spam you or whatever um and don't spam them but uh but yeah so like that that simple step, you, most people don't take it. They don't, but I think it's important to have some valuable emails that you're going to send. Like that's kind of the thing. A lot of people also, they'll collect emails and they don't send email. And and also they may think, oh, my list is too small. Um, <laughs> so no, <laughs> but like- Might be a little is, bit guilty of that one <laughs> from time That's to okay. Time. I mean, look, you're in good company, right? <laughs> it, the good news is it's really easy to break that. You absolutely have good stuff to send. And and you know what? I, I talk to podcasters all the time that say this to me. I'm like, you have a podcast. That makes it super easy because if people are on your email list, like you can pick a little nugget that we talked about in this conversation and write an email about it. That's like a hundred words. You know, it it doesn't have to be anything crazy and people will find that valuable. And to a general entrepreneur could be anything. Like I use the CPA example because there's a lot of CPAs and that's just the one that comes to mind, but there's so many, you know, anything that you do as an entrepreneur, you know, talking about your day I've found is like, and, and when I say your day, I mean like, you go throughout your day and you go throughout your week and your month. And there are things that happen that, that are stories that are good stories. The, the simplest formula for an email newsletter, which, um, and by the way, these things that I'm saying don't actually apply to e-commerce brands, which is uh, who I normally help my agency. It's a little different for an e-commerce brand, but I'm, I want to be a a little bit more um, talking to sort of the, the, the general, like the entrepreneur with the service business, maybe, because I feel like a lot of that might be the majority of, of your audience. I know it's for a lot of podcasts, it's the majority. So um, if you're an e-commerce business, there's some other things you can do. We'll, we'll get to that, or I'll tell you where to find that. But um, for, if you have a business as an entrepreneur, like I said, service business, you can write an email uh, in this formula, formula, I learned this from Justin Goff. He's a great uh, email copywriter. Uh, definitely look him up if you've never heard of him. But the formula is story plus point. And all that means is you tell a story and then you tell the point of the story. And that's your email. And you can make it long. You can make it short. Um, as long as it's relevant. That's the thing is like people care about 
relevancy. So like if they signed up to hear from you, it's because what you're offering or what you do is relevant to their lives. You know, they have problems that they want solved. They have desires that they want. They have, you know, they're looking for the things that, that they can, you know, find those benefits from you. So take little things that happen, little things that you've observed, um, little things that, that you just, you know, knowledge or tips or um, any of that. And you just put it into an email and it doesn't always have to be a story. I just think stories are, are a great thing for email. So that is like, that's the first thing is like, it, you know, don't worry so much about growing the list because your list can be really small at first. Like it doesn't matter. You, you, you got to get into the habit first off of sending email and, and having good response to that, which in the beginning can just mean you ask for replies um, and people start to reply and you, you kind of get ideas from that as well. Um, and then eventually you can really monetize that list, but you have to have engagement comes first. And this is with our clients too, with e-commerce. Like if you don't have an engaged email list, it doesn't matter how many times you send that sale to them or, you know, you promote that product or you send that discount. It's not going to do well because you don't have them engaged. So engagement is always first, then monetization. Um, and you know, when you get a little bit further along in building the email list, you can do something like have a lead magnet where, you know, it's they're opting in to receive a, you know, a video or a PDF or some sort of advice that you give. Um, and that's a great way to grow an email list. And you can even run paid traffic to that. You can put that out uh, on social and on podcasts and things like that to get organic traffic. It's actually not hard to build a list. But you have to start. And I, I think most people, they just don't start or they collect emails, but they don't start sending to them. So that's the most important thing. So would you say that it takes a while to get through this process or do you start to see results pretty quickly? As in like results With, as in like money? Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Or yeah, the green stuff, you know, with your clients, how long does it take you generally to ramp them up from... Um, when you first meet them to them getting the results they're looking for? Well, okay. So it's two different questions because with our clients, um, they see results instantly. And that's because like usually they they have an existing e-commerce business, right? And so even if they don't have email, like like our clients, we do work with with clients of all different sizes. So, you know, some of them are eight-figure companies. Some of them are, you know, people who are fairly new um, to, you know, the e-commerce world and it's they're not making a lot of revenue yet. And that's fine. Um, the thing is, like, they have to have an existing e-commerce business where people can go and buy stuff online from them. And then as long as they have that, even if they don't have email started yet, um, once they start, you know, that should show results and sales very quickly because if you have an offer um, on your site that is already selling, then it's very easy, right? Now, for someone who is maybe in a different position where they're like a service business, that's really going to depend. You know, how long is it going to take to see results? Well, um, as soon as you are able to get someone who's connected with you, um, you know, meaning they're getting your emails and they're, you know, they're feeling like you can help them. Um, then, you know, usually I guess that turns into a phone call or a consultation, right. And then a sale. So, um, that's definitely going to depend, um, growing your email list though. There are some like hacks to grow it faster. I guess the, the best one that I would say in, in general for people is, 
um, what I would call like uh, list swapping uh, or like affiliate promotions, meaning like you find someone who has your audience. Like, um, so <clears throat> for me, for my email list, I'm, I look for people who their audience is also e-commerce businesses um, or other email marketers. And so if, if somebody has a much bigger audience than me and it includes the people that I want to connect with and market to, um, then I can do a list swap with them where they will promote my email list or my lead magnet or what have you to their much larger audience. And then I get those emails and, and then I can grow my list a lot faster. Um, and I won't get into the weeds. There's a lot of ways you can do that. And, um, you know, if the person has like a similar size audience to you or a smaller audience, then you can probably do that for free. But if they have like a really big audience, then you are going to have to pay them. Um, and so that's a different, you know, a different way of doing it. Um, and that can be commission also. So that's how a lot of people grow their lists, at least in my industry. Um, E-commerce, it's as simple as, you know, having a pop-up on your website where people can get a discount or money to spend or some kind of um, bonus or something good for entering their email. And since they're already on your shop, they're already on your website because they want to shop. Um, it's very easy to turn that person into a customer. Yeah. And then it's easy to turn a customer into a repeat customer, much easier to retain customers and find new ones. I mean, that's just general business, right? Yes. Advice there. Brilliant. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say that's what email is is really good at, you know, is is helping you get the repeat customers for sure. Because it keeps you top of mind, and I think that's what a lot of people forget in business that we are so flooded with information from social media, from email, from all over the place. Anything that we're watching, we're flooded with ads and stuff that often uh, we forget. Maybe somebody that we've worked with before that we appreciate has given us good value, but if you're sort of there consistently giving good value, sharing, engaging, entertaining, all these things that you can do with email, then you're much more likely to stay top of mind with, oh yeah, I need that gift for my, you know, grandma's birthday and you happen to sell beautiful candles. So you're going to be the one they remember when they need that gift, right. for example. Right. So right. it's, it's, it's brilliant. And I really appreciate um, helping people understand a little bit more today, like what value email can really bring to their business and not mm -hmm. to undervalue it. Because like you said, it was the one thing left when there was nothing else left, right? Mm -hmm. The brand had gone, the name, everything else had gone. You still had an email list and that's incredible. And that's the one thing we own in business. We don't own our social media. You know, right. there are other people that own social media companies, not us. So it's important to maintain um, a good email list. So thank you for that. And of course, we are called Resilient Entrepreneurs. You are a resilient entrepreneur yourself and you work with them. So tell us, do you have a definition for resilience and, and what does it mean to you? I was thinking about this. Uh, is it when I first saw the name of your podcast, I was like, it felt like a vocab test because I was like, what is it? <laughs> no, but um, yeah, what is it? Well, you know what? It's a couple of things to me because um, I would say, like, I think of this, I don't know who told me this. this is some mentor somewhere I heard this. Um, and maybe you guys have heard it before, but it's like an airplane that's, that takes off and it's headed for a destination. It's never like really on the exact course to that destination until the last, you know, few seconds before it touches down on the, the, you know, on the runway, but the whole way there, 
it's just a series of course corrections. Like it's the nose points up, the nose points this way, that way, like you're, and it's, and it's, you know, following this course, but it's constantly just correcting course. Usually it's an autopilot um, that's just correcting course. But I think of that because somebody told me a long time ago, like that's sort of what your entrepreneurship journey is like, like you, you know, where you're headed, you should, you know, have like a vision and that can change and it does that evolves over time. If you don't have a vision, I'm sure that's something you guys talk about, um, you know, having this idea of where you're trying to go and really something you want and where you, you want to get to. Um, but everything along the way is going to throw you off course. Like it's, it's going to, you're going to get crosswinds, headwinds, tailwinds, you're going to get all kinds of stuff, you know, rain, <laughs> lightning, um, and all kinds of things that kind of like, um, you know, maybe even a bird is going to hit you, but like you, you are always course correcting and that's just what entrepreneurship is. So I think resilience, like to me, that's what I think of. And, um, I think that in my day to day right now, I think of resilience cause we're kind of in this stage where we're growing, but we are still a very small business. We have a team of nine people, um, really in this period of trying to systematize everything we do so that my brother and I can sort of pull ourselves more and more out of the day-to-day. And it's like been this way for, uh, it feels like forever, but it hasn't been that long. It's been like a year and a half or two that we've really been in this kind of just systematizing and trying to get ourselves out of it. And there's so much to get through with that. Um, But I'm like in a, a typical day, like I'm always wearing so many hats, bouncing back and forth from, you know, podcasts like this, which I, this is my favorite thing, by the way, is, is this in my own podcast and writing emails to my list. But my day is taken up by everything but that. Right. And, and some of it is sales and trying to like get new clients and others is just like, you know, the actual delivery and making sure that our clients are getting the results. Um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, the the team dynamics, it's all of that. So I think resilience is like being able to just like do these different things, knowing that they're all leading to this destination, but being able to bounce from one thing to the next. Um, and then lastly, I'll say definitely like being able to deal with the, uh, especially if you're an earlier entrepreneur, you're in the first few years, I'm in year like six right now, I guess. So I'm not that far ahead, but um, I will say like years one through four, really hard, <laughs> really, really hard being able to deal with stuff. Like m- my brother and I had another business partner. He left at the beginning of 2022. That was like the hardest thing. Um, you know, kind of like he was a personal friend, like for going back since we were kids. Um, and so that was hard, uh, before that, like just getting the business off the ground <laughs> we were, we we went for months uh and i and when i saw the topic of your show i wanted to get this story in there so uh just a quick one on this like we i i moved in to his college apartment while he was in his senior year of college i slept on the floor he had a uh a studio apartment at the time just getting through senior year my parents were not going to let him drop out cuz we were doing a business that wasn't going to happen um so i moved in there I had no money. This was after the first business failed and I had all this debt and he was getting student loan money like every semester for like books and clothes and and like, you know, food. And so he's like, just move in here and we're going to get this right. Like we're going to get this off the ground. You know, he supported me uh, financially and gave me food. You know, um, I moved in there 
for what we were hoping would be quick. It ended up being four months, which is not that long when you look back at it. But at the time, it felt like 50 years. Um, you know, just every day he would go to class and I would be on the laptop trying to get our first email marketing client, um, reaching out to businesses directly. That's that's how it started. And we still do that method in our agency, by the way. We still do the cold approach, like the cold email, like where we find businesses that we would really love to work with and we send them an email. Um, and that has always consistently worked. We have ads and other things now that work great, but that has always worked since day one. Um, but anyway, it took four months to work though. That was my point. So resilience, like I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't, I was terrible. I would finally after, you know, first no one would get on the phone. Then when I did start getting people to get on the a phone and talk to me about, you know, their email marketing, um, I failed at that, like probably like 20 sometimes it was, it was terrible. I felt like crap. Um, so much rejection, you know, one after another, just kind of like, you know, kind of highlighting for me, my inexperience and, and, you know, the fact that we hadn't had clients before at that time, um, finally had a brand that said, yeah, let's give this a shot. Um, but it took so long. So resilience, the other thing that I think about is that time period for me, because I wanted to quit so bad, not like I couldn't at the time, but actually I'll say this and then, and then I'll, I'll shut up. But like my, uh, it got to the point, the reason it worked, um, is because at a certain point we, my brother and I were kind of, you know, we were at our wits end with each other, you know, just everything that had been happening. So, uh, he gave me an ultimatum where he said, it has to work now or you're, I can't do this anymore. So he was like, you're going to go back to living in mom, and dad's basement. Like you have one month, um, get this right. And cause I was the one doing the calls. Um, that was my job. Um, and within two weeks of him giving me that ultimatum, we got our first client. I think it really like it, it put something, it was like, you know, I knew it was going to work eventually, but that kind of being faced with, well, now it has to work or it's done. And, and being so determined, like I could not see a different path at that time. So I don't know, but I think that stuff, like to me, I think of that when you say like, what's resilience. I think that plane analogy may be my favorite definition ever of resilience it, wow. and, entre and entrepreneurship, like cool. the two together. And I'm, I'm going to steal it from you. I'll give you credit, but I'm yeah. going to definitely use it when we talk to clients too, because I just think it helps understand it's all about the destination keep the destination in mind and then your your story about you know your brother giving you what's made him there's nothing like having no resources to make us super creative right you have to get super yeah. creative so two of those so much value this conversation has packed so much value um i love it and i appreciate you so much josh for the time and the attention the great stories and i hope this has inspired lots of people to get out there to send that email tomorrow morning um, and, you know, work on and building your list because we own that list and it's really important. So thanks, Josh. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. I hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.